Yeah, good morning, and I would like to also just greet everyone in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. <clears throat> I think I might opening open a little bit here with a couple verses of an article that I read this morning. <clears throat> Maybe gives a little bit of a clue of the the reason <clears throat> that uh, we sometimes fail or make wrong decisions or all the, the even even in the discussion that we had um, of these kings and uh, it's in Psalms 118 verses 6 and verses 7 that uh, we forget and I'm just using this verse as using these as an opening a little bit my my thoughts are um, my message is on cultivating a heart or cultivating newness in our hearts so um, let's just let's just read this. If you want to turn with me to Psalms one eighteen, um, David was in distress, you know, a lot of his life, <clears throat> and he gave an exhortation to praise God for His mercy. But uh, verse five says, "I called upon the Lord in, in distress. The Lord answered me, and He set me in a large place." Verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I, therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And so <clears throat> the little the article is just imagine with me the that you know someone that's, let's call him Mr. X, and he's the most powerful person on the earth, okay? He's got the power to do whatever he says, whatever he wants. Um, and it'd be one thing for you to say that, hey, uh, I'm on Mr. X's side. I support him. You know, that's one thing. That's, that's, that's you know, it's like, I'm on Mr. X's side. But it's an entire another thing if you would claim that Mr. X is on your side, that he's taking your part and that he's fighting for you. <clears throat> so this is telling us that, you know, <clears throat> that the power and authority and things that we have today, are you on, are you on the side of the one that has that? Or, are, or is the one that has that on your side? taking your part. You know, we're not our own. We're bought with a price, he tells us. Um, <clears throat> so you can claim to be on Mr. X's side. You know, you can claim that. You can claim to be on his side. I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be on his side. <clears throat> but unless you actually know him, Unless you actually know him, um, how can he be on your side? So Psalm 118, the Thomas makes a striking assertion that the God of the universe is on his side. His statement is very matter of fact. There is no hesitation. There is no like a maybe. Have you ever thought about how shocking it is to make that claim? If we have placed our faith in Jesus, if we are walking in obedience, Scripture says that God is on our side. The covenant-keeping Eternal, all-powerful creator is on our side. It's a staggering and life-giving thought. 
So if Satan is fighting you today, if he is telling you that you really don't matter, that God has much more important things on his agenda than your little problems that you are facing, than your little problems, are you facing situations that look completely insurmountable? Remind yourself and your enemy that God is on your side. Walk in the strength of the Almighty. He has everything you need for this moment and all the moments to come. Walk ahead fearlessly, not because of who you are, but because of who is on your side. And I think those kings forgot that God fought their battles. I think that's, that, that's a key today probably for us too. Sometimes we forget um, who fights our battles. So <clears throat> just opening with, with those thoughts a little bit and the fact that, <clears throat> you know, um, we all like new things. Um, we all like to see new growth. We all like to see things spring from the ground or, um, you know, in a, in a hard soil um, None of this that I share with you today or this morning, whatever, is, is new whatsoever. And you all understand, I think, in the concepts and have all, you could say, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and have been born again and have, <clears throat> have experienced the newness of life uh, many, many times and will continue to experience newness of life. But we, we all like, we all, you know, we all like new things, you know, if you buy a brand new hammer or, or a, a new vehicle or whatever it may be, um, a new toy, um, it just inspires you to newness. And so therefore, in the, in the spiritual realm, you know, um, <clears throat> we all desire that and it gives us great inspiration, but a lot of times it wears off. You know, we think it wears off, but God desires to give us a new heart that is constantly springing forth. And with a sense of newness that, 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 that we can have for his purpose, for our lives. Um, if you would turn with me to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, I'm saying this right, I guess, <clears throat> chapter 36. And read for few verses here, um, and starting in verse 24 in Ezekiel chapter 36. <clears throat> Here's what he was telling the people. <clears throat> he was telling the house of Israel. He said, For I will take you from among the heathens and gather you out of all the countries and will bring you unto your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Verse 26, he promised them this, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you, an, give you an a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to, your, give to your, gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. There again, God is saying, I am on your side. If they follow those things, if, if, they, if they understand that, <clears throat> and I will be your God. I will, I, also, I will also save you from all your uncleanness, and I will call for your corn, and I will increase it, and I will lay no famine upon you. 
you know, God's children will never be hungry, he told them. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and increase of the field, and you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathens. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes. Now listen to this. You know, not for your sake I do this, is what God is saying. Not for your sakes do I, do I this, saith the Lord God. Be it known unto you, be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. And, you know, God gives us a clean heart, a new heart, and what he does for us is not necessarily for us. It's for his glory. It's for himself that he wants. You know, he wanted to have a people that would shine forth, and so the heathens couldn't turn around and say, Oh, look what your God did, or who is your God? That they would mock them. You know, he told them that they would multiply and they would never go hungry. Um, <clears throat> so the problem is with us today, with me, myself, and I, and like we read about the kings, uh, probably the selfish nature that they had. You know, even David in his day, um, you know, he wanted to number the people and see how many fighters and stuff he had. God said that he shouldn't, and he did, and it cost him. You know, um, he, that came back to haunt him. <clears throat> the problem is that our hearts are also being trampled upon and being pressed upon, you could say, by the world, by our own flesh and desires, as well as circumstances that come in our lives. Our hearts become hard with that as a result over time. And so just like the fields become hard if they don't get, are not used, are not worked, are not cultivated, the word is, um, to bring forth, you know, to bring up the freshness of the earth and to turn it. Um, so, therefore, also our hearts will also. We are to remain fresh. We are to be. We are to cultivate our hearts on a daily basis. <clears throat> In uh, Hosea chapter ten, <clears throat> verse twelve and thirteen. He says in verse 12, it says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. <clears throat> in other words, you know, we must cultivate it in raising a crop. We must loosen it. We must break it up, he's telling us there. If we, if we expect to reap a harvest. Um, the next verse in verse 13 tells us sometimes what happens to our heart. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquities. You have eaten the fruits of lies because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. <clears throat> um, and again, like the kings, he trusted in the word of the young men, or that was probably the majority versus the old. And what happened? You know, he harvested the fruits of that and he that's what happens to us you could say we sometimes believe the father of lies what is the truth today I mean, when you look and see it and, and hear almost anything on world news of any kind is it actually true you know is it actually or or, or is is it not and what does that do to to our hearts you know who is the father of all lies 
if we find ourselves attracted to his, him and his ways or his thinking and start trusting in him, then the, the newness of God's spirit that he puts within us and he wants us to have, it gets trampled upon. It gets put, put down. We can go turn to John chapter 15, and we understand this chapter, I think, very good, um, of the vine chapter and the cultivation that takes place there and the pruning and the trimming and the bringing forth the fruits um, that we have. Um, Jesus told us that he, is the, the, um, that he is the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges, that it may bring forth more fruit. That purging is a cultivation, it's a trimming. Now, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in, in the vine, no more can you except it abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man bideth not in me, he is cast forth of the branch, and is withered. Men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And then... In all that, the next verse, herein, in those things is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. <clears throat> and if the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you, continue you in my love. <clears throat> so if we are to bear fruit for Jesus, as John is telling us here, we need a constant cultivating of our hearts. We need a constant breaking up of the fallow grounds that, that come in. So that the seed of God's word can grow and it can bear and it can bear fruit and that fruit can can come. So <clears throat> how do we prepare our hearts for this newness that God wants for us? Um, let's just look at some. We're going to look at some scriptural examples, I guess. First of all, you know, we must see the condition of our own heart. We must be able to say that I am undone. Um, we must humble ourselves before God, as it says that without him, we can do nothing. Um, there's lots of, you know, there's lots of, lots of, lots of scriptures we can bring in. <clears throat> um, because as, as we shared in the, one of the very first verses, that it's God's desire to give you a new heart. It's God's desire to remove that heart of stone, you know. And so that newness can sprout forth. And we're going to use John the Baptist um, as an example, you know. Um, he came on the scene, and he came on the scene with a message of prepare ye to prepare ye the way of the Lord. You know, he, he essentially, he, was, he came before Christ to cultivate and plow the soil. He prepare the way of the Lord. So if we prepare a field, we plow it, you know, um, in that parallel. <clears throat> he essentially came to plow the ground, to cultivate it, so that those who heard him would be prepared for the newness that was about to come to the nation of Israel. <clears throat> And let's turn to chapter 3 in Luke. Um, let's stand. We're going to read first 18 verses, I think, here. So this is John's preaching and his, at, you know, at his baptism and his testimony of Christ and as he came forth there. 
And uh, he starts out like this. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of, the reign of Tiberius, Caesar Pontius Pilate, being the governor of Judea, and Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip, Tetrarch of, of Iturea, and the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanus, and the Tetrarch of Abilene, Abilene, Annas, and, and Cephas, being the high priest, the word of the God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And as it is written in the book of the words of Esaias, the prophet, saying, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then said he to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. You know, this is, this is John preparing the way of the Lord. And this is the way that he was trying to prepare them to prepare their hearts. I mean, he didn't spare any words. He came right to the point and he told them this. He says, O oh, you generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? This was to the whole crowd of people that came out to see what he was talking about there um, on the, on the, you know, by the river there, by the Jordan, when he started preaching. When he started preaching about that they should be baptized um, for, the repentance of their, you know, for repentance of their sins. <clears throat> he called them a generation of vipers. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? He says, bring forth Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children among Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the tree, trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And the people ask him, saying, Here's a good place to start for, for the newness of heart. These people, it cut to their hearts, it softened their hearts, it prepared them, and, their, and the question was, what shall we do? What shall we do then? And he told them, he answered, and he saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. He that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also the publicans that were there, and to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed unto you. And the soldiers came to him likewise and demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation, and all the men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were of the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than our then I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his, unto his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He wanted the paths to be straight, the mountains to come down, the valleys to be filled up, the crooked places made straight. 
That was, that was you know, it was prof- that was Isaiah's prophecy. <clears throat> that, that's the things that God would do. That's the things that Christ would do. <clears throat> the message that John gave to those people back then is still relevant for us today, 2,000 years later. You know, um, before Christ can come to fill our hearts uh, and to live there with newness, um, it first must be cultivated. We first must recognize, like I said, you know, who, who are we really? Who am I? What am I? Our hearts must be prepared for that that is to come. Um, <clears throat> we, can, we can look, at, let's look at another scripture here. <clears throat> um, in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. Um, is also, you know, we see this as, you know, cultivation that, that took place. Um, the, the word, you know, that, that came forth. And it fell on, a, on some on the, on the wayside, some in the stony places, and some in the, you know, in the fertile soil that was cultivated. <clears throat> and then in verse... Uh, <clears throat> 13, he says, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this prophet's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. <clears throat> and we know in that, in that cultivation, um, when he went to explain then, to, um, at the ending of that, uh, which verse it's in here I guess <clears throat> when the, when they ask you know um, what is the what is the meaning of this saying and what is what is the uh, detail you know that, that some came forth then it took cultivation of the heart for them to to bring forth a hundredfold and sixtyfold and thirtyfold um, times <clears throat> so <clears throat> the people that John was dealing with you know prepare you the way they they was given this message to get their attention. Um, and, and the first thing he did, you could say, in a sense, was it was like a shock treatment. You know, he called them a generation of vipers. And they're like, well, you know, that was very, very harsh in a sense. But it got their attention. It helped them to see that um, the condition and their need for repentance. John told them, who warned you from to flee from the wrath to come. Without Christ and what He can do for us, we're 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 in the same, we're in the same um, walking in the you could say in the in the same um, brood of vipers or wickedness. We're walking in sin um, without the cleansing, without having that um, letting God remove that from us. Um, he didn't use a good feel approach. I guess is what I'm trying to say. He didn't use an approach that was like, oh, they just felt okay and they was very comfortable. Um, Romans tells us, you know, Romans 23 tells us that we have all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Isaiah 64 tells us that 
But we're all like an unclean thing, and all our unrighteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities are like, like the wind have taken us away. He, he started to, you know, he started to take away their protectiveness, they're, they're saying. Because they come back and say, oh, we're Abraham's children, you know. Um, he, he started to re remove that. Don't begin to say in, in uh, Luke chapter 3 there that we read, verse 8 says, uh, don't say that we are, um, we, are able, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. <clears throat> I'm going to turn back to Luke chapter 3. There's several verses I guess we'll, we'll refer to here. <clears throat> so what John was doing was, 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 was removing their sense of their security that they had wrapped around them. You know, we're good Jews. We obey the commandments. We're God's chosen people. We're Abraham's children. Um, he, he attacked that, you know. Um, <clears throat> the Jews thought that that all the Gentiles were condemned and that, you know, they were the ones that were the sinners, but the Jews were, um, were friends of God, you know. <clears throat> John denounced that attitude. He removed that security from them. He took that protective shield away from them and he tried to identify their need for a Savior for themselves. He tried to show them the true condition of their hearts. Um, so in today's world, the thing that tramples on our hearts may, may also trample on our hearts, you know, bringing it, bringing it more home. What is it that we have? What is it that we have put as protective shields in our hearts that need to be cultivated out of the way so the newness of life can continue to thrive and grow there and produce? Um, what needs to be away, torn away? And, you know, we can say, firstly, a lot, of time we, a lot of time we make the comment about somebody, well, he's basically a good person. You know, there's no security in that. There's lots of good people, but there's no really security in that. You know, well, we have a church, you know, we, we go to church. We have a, a, a good church family. Um, there's, just, there's just lots of things you could say. Maybe it's my work, you know. Maybe I'm, I'm so busy that, uh, and work consumes me to the point that I don't listen to my heart. Um, you know, just, there's, there's, lots of, there's lots of things. There, there's, a, there's a whole list here. I don't think I'm going to read them. Um, you just ponder. You just ponder your on, in in your own hearts, I guess. What is it that is that needs to be cultivated? What is it that needs to to be rooted out and laid out to to do away with, so that the newness of life can continue to to come forth? It's love, joy, peace, all those things, grace, mercy um, that God is has uh, and wants to put in our hearts. <clears throat> Um, in Luke, Luke uh, 3 there then, you know, he, verse 9, he said the axe was laid to the root of the tree. It was, it, so it needs to be that the, the roots of those things needed to be cut off. They were thrown into the fire. They was burnt. But the good thing that we can ask ourselves, just like the people asked back then in verse 10, you know, the, the, there was all different levels or categories or occupations, whatever you have of people that was there. And they asked the same question, you know, what shall we do then? And um, he told those people, you know, um, he simply told, told them if we, if we, um, 
He answered them, like in verse 11, you know, if, if, you, had, if you had two coats to share one. Um, the publicans, he said, uh, you know, don't ask for more than what is, what is right. You know, what's appointed unto you? Exact no more than what the taxes you're supposed to collect. The soldiers, he said, to be content with their wages. He told them to not accuse people falsely. That's, that's Christ. That's Jesus within our hearts, that he wants to do those things too, you know. <clears throat> He wants you to uh, to get away to um, remove the the barriers and and he was doing that. You could say, you know, to um, Jesus is looking for people whose hearts say, "What shall I do?" You know, or what what shall we do? Um, what can I do to cultivate my heart? <clears throat> and uh, he hits he hits very you know. He hits to the core of it, which we all, I think we understand that repentance brings, uh, definitely brings the openness and for newness of life. He introduced that to them. He told them that they should, they should, uh, you know, bring, repent, you know. Uh, Peter spoke of that too on the day of Pentecost there. He told them when they asked uh, him, what should we do? And he told them that they should Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins would be blotted out so that the times of refreshing, it says, may come from the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.19. And John goes on with that, you know. Um, he, he reveals every walk of life that temptations of the people were given of which they must be repented of. <clears throat> you know, to those that have been blessed with abundance there in that verse, he tells them to share. To those that were tax collectors, he tells them to, to be honest about it. To the soldiers, to the policemen, to anyone that was in, you know, say that was people that were in authority, people that were in authority that had the that had the authority to say, you know, go to jail or you're go free, you know, if you're playing Monopoly or you know, in life, you know, he told them that they should not intimidate people, they should not falsely accuse people, they should be content with the wages that they have, and and be fair. <clears throat> Um, you know, like a soldier would be an intimidating person or a police person could be intimidating. Um, they, they're not supposed to do that. And that's, again, that's the newness of, of heart that Christ has or wants to, um, to come forth in us. And I just had to think, I guess, you know, just for a real-life example, it, it blessed me yesterday. Um, some of us know, some of us don't know, I guess, that my, you know, that my my brother Jake had stopped in there for a visit. They went to Colorado and was touring Colorado, him and his son that's recently married. And, you know, we talked some. He's called quite a bit, in a sense, in the last while since um, Rose with her, with her cancer and seeing how things are going for us, you know. Uh, really, really concerned. Um, I, can feel, I can tell. I can feel like that. And uh, when we was out there, one of the last times over Mike's funeral, I guess, we went to his place and just... Looked at his shop. He'd often said about coming, and so Lois and I had went, and we just visited with him. And he told me that he was gonna, they was gonna take a, a vacation this year and go someplace. I didn't know where or whatever. It was gonna go west, and I said, "Well, we're not that far off of Route 70. Why don't you stop in and see us? You know, if you want to." Well, Thursday afternoon on the way up to Fort Wayne, I get a text message saying, uh, "Are you going to be home Saturday morning?" And I didn't have his name plugged into my phone. I'm trying to figure out who this text message was. Didn't remember exactly, so we called the number. Well, then when he answered, I knew immediately who it was. He said they were, 
traveling home and they would like to they would would stop in and see us and so that came to pass um, which was good but what I wanted to share with all that or in all that um, he is he is in trouble with his church okay now that that's what's happening and I, I think that's what's you know blesses my heart because I think it's brought it's brought a little bit of looking at me as his brother that was a bad apple for a long time, and I'm supposed to repent, and if I would, I'd come back to the church, and I'd be Amish, and I'd be all this stuff. You know, that, that's, where, that, that's where he was. That's where his heart was against me. Or, in, you know, that's my perceptive, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to being accurate on that because I, I can understand it in one of the last conversations. All that stuff is being removed from his heart. I can see it. You know, he's allowing newness to come in. And you know what's brought about? Because he simply, he finds himself in trouble because he's standing for the truth of God's word. And it's abolishing a lot of old roadblocks and hindrances that has been in his life. No questions about it. Where it all leads to, I don't know, but praise God. Backing up a little bit in his family, in his wife's family, I guess. She was the only daughter, but there were several sons. When mother-in-law passed away, which has been a few years back, this family of people, you know, with everything that's happened in Allen County, and, I, and I'm just using this as an example because I think it can tie in here, about people becoming born again or saying that they're saved and and leaving the church and all that and getting excommunicated, <clears throat> you would have never thought anybody in this family would ever choose that route or that would ever happen to. But we know, you know that God has no limits, and we know that God's word is, is, is still God's word, and it will work. The oldest brother of that family is, is Jacob's, wife's sister, uh, Jacob's wife's oldest brother at the funeral of mom made the comment, very, very vividly of how good it is and how thankful he is that all of their family and all of their children are still Amish. And they're all in the faith and they're all very, very comfortable. You know, I told, <laughs> I told mom the thought come to me, you know, when that statement was made, was no different than when David said, I'm going to count my men. Or, or these kings says, I'm going to do this or build this. Or the king said, I'll set up the golden calf here and golden calf there, and you can go there to worship. God was going to break that down. That's all that happened. And it, it took place. It's happening. And there's several of their family, grandchildren, okay, within their own family, have found and are tired of the old life and want new life and have tried to stay in the church, and are not, and are leaving the church, and now they want to excommunicate him, and Jacob says, bring me scriptures. You know, bring me scripture. Bring me the truth, the God's word, of why you want to excommunicate him. He wants to just let them take their, he said, just let them move their membership. Take their membership from here, and let the membership, let, give them the mem let, let them find their membership over there, and there's no excommunication needed, but that is taboo. You know, that just does not work. It never has. You don't just transfer memberships from 
an Amish horse and buggy church, not in Allen County, to a car driving church. Don't worry. So he's under fire, huge fire. Another, just another thought. Maybe I shouldn't be on this subject, but I think it's a blessing to, to, to understand it. So within his congregation, they have a, a bishop committee up there of younger bishops, of five of them. The church wanted to bring in these younger men to counsel over the situation. And he said, no, he don't, he don't support that. Then they went to the three oldest bishops in Allen County and said they brought them in and they had a meeting with them. They called a meeting. And the bishops asked my brother if he would just give himself in to what they get together, what they decide, if he would give his voice and say, like, I'll be, I'm, I'll be okay with whatever you guys decide, if he would do that. And he said, no. But he said, why? He said, because I don't know what your decision will be. That's why I won't say that. So they can't hold him to it. That was wise. That was pretty wise counsel, but it put him in hot water. But I, what I, the whole point of all this was, we never know how God cultivates our hearts, and may He cultivate our hearts in many, many avenues of of things that that come at us or against us or whatever. That we can also uh, be, you know, be wise and let the fruits of God's Spirit come forth. <clears throat> um, so, <clears throat> John's message was very simple. He said you, they must have a change of heart. God was about to act. He was about to come in. Um, he was about to give them new life as they wanted. Um, John went about that region of, of Jordan there, and his message was the same, that they should repent for the remission of their sins. <clears throat> so therefore, you know, we must have a forgiving heart. It must be seated. Our hearts must be seated with forgiveness, but it has to be, it has to be cultivated and you know, with the love of God and the sins and stuff removed. Um, and it's our choice of, of, of what we let come in and trample and what we you know, listen to or what we are influenced by. <clears throat> um, I just want, I, I, I need to just, you know, God is calling all of us to repent, all of us to turn to him, all of us so that we can have a refreshed heart. Um, he desires us to experience that, uh, that newness, the, the, you know, to enable us to walk and to have a zeal about us and to fulfill um, our hopes and our dreams, you could say, of life. Um, let's prepare ourselves. You know, let's ask ourselves what, what areas have been hardened by the pressures of this world or circumstances of life. Let's let that fallow ground be broken up and let God come in and uh, put the new seed of His Spirit that, and everything that that entails and brings with us. And we will be blessed. I think we'll be encouraged. We'll be strengthened. Um, and like I said, if you open a packet of something that you just got that's brand new that you never had again, you can experience that you you know that feeling. Well, the same thing he would do for each and every one of us as we give ourselves to him more and spend time with him, uh, meditate, um, let him rule in our hearts and have his way. And like with the song that we sang, 
Let's love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. And uh, I think he will give us and bring forth the newness of life that, that we all desire um, to experience and to have from day to day. So I'm open for sharing your testimony. <clears throat> I want to just...